This show is brought to you by Whatever You Say Productions, starting conversations since 2018. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of At The Newsstand. Today is Wednesday, November 13th, halfway through. Looking forward to Thanksgiving, as always. I've got Katie and Matthew here with me to kick off the intro and then slide straight into what's burning. Matthew, let me start with you. How are you? How was your week? What'd you get into? My week is wonderful. Best week of my life. Oh, fabulous. Anything special going on or are you just being a positive poly? I got to see my brother play with his band in New York, and I got to hang out with my little cousin, Claire, in Boston, since she's looking at colleges. Oh, my God. All right. Tis that phase of life that's always really exciting, and I know that you're constantly back and forth between Boston and New York City, so that can be very exhausting. Going over to someone who seems to be chronically exhausted, but only because she works so hard. Miss Katie, how are you doing? I'm very well, but yes, very tired. Yes. And why don't Always. you tell us, how how is your physical therapy going, and are you enjoying the bike? I hate the bike. <laughs> it makes me feel like an old lady, although I'm so approving on it because when I first went, he told me to get on the bike. I was like, all right. And here I am. Like, I've done cycling sure? classes. Like, <laughs> I got this. And I literally started pedaling. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> My leg had like shooting pain down it. I thought I had been on that bike for like an hour and a half. And I was only on it for about 10 seconds. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm glad that you're going and getting the help you need to fix your body, which shouldn't be falling apart, but this is. this is just the way that life goes. Now, as someone whose body is not falling apart, Mr. Corbin Williams, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> how the hell are you? Listen, I'm tired, man. These rehearsals, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the show to open so we can get the show on its feet. We had an intense day of rehearsals. We did a full run from top to bottom, like we are ready. You're ready for the uh, you're ready for the show to start. You're ready for it to be done, so that you can go back to bed and then get <laughs> into the grind of the next show. Oh my god! All right. Well, here's what we have going on for you guys on this episode. We're going to kick things off with what's burning, as always, and then we're going to slide into its bro time and finish up with a little hashtag hashtag because we only got to lightly tap upon the Little Mermaid last week, and Corbin and I. Due to popular demand, we have some more thoughts, feelings, and opinions that we will be sharing with you. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Join us for our first segment, What's Burning? So what do Betsy DeVos and Bernie Sanders have in common? Uh, uh. <laughs> they Nothing. both believe that you shouldn't have student debt. Amen. Unfortunately for Betsy DeVos, our current Secretary of Education, she only believes that you shouldn't have student debt if you are one of 1,500 art students in the United States. Why these 1,500, do you ask? Well, 
the United States can only offer federal aid for accredited institutions. Okay. The higher ground education holdings, a nonprofit owned by a religious organization, Christian religious organization, apparently embezzled several million dollars from federal aid in 2018, lost its accreditation, still enrolled students, didn't tell anyone that they lost their accreditation, and still received federal aid for another year. That was a big no-no, and the courts found out, and the student debt was relieved. Um, okay. But I also sort of feel like this is a PR move for her because she has been, since she took office, she has been pretty ruthless. And she comes from a background where she has absolutely no past history with education or anything to do with that. And she kind of came in strong. She wanted to put prayers back in school. She didn't want to separate church from state. And I feel like one of the programs that she wasn't ever really behind were the arts. Now to have her do this, I don't know. What do you think? I think like everything that's in the news, there's a lot that doesn't get on the news. Mm. The fact that these schools were administered by a Christian group, the fact that Betsy DeVos said schools should be used to build God's kingdom, and the fact that they received federal money for over a year before they were actually shut down makes me wonder, perhaps there was some relationship with this particular religious nonprofit and Mm -hmm. her or someone in her network, or simply she turned a blind eye to a religious organization. Either way, it's good that these students don't have to pay debt because many of them won't be able to transfer their credits. Mm. Uh, And moreover, it provokes a much larger question in America, which is how to address the burgeoning student loan bubble, which now exceeds credit card payments, exceeds credit card debt in the United States, and will ultimately, despite the fact that boomers seem to think they could just work more, it will ultimately be a big problem for the American economy. So hopefully this for better or worse, whether it was divine intervention or not, will be the start of a much larger conversation about how to get kids the education they need. Kids, excuse me, adults. Yeah. Well, <laughs> adults the education they need. When you're 18, you're an adult, yep. you know, yeah, even yeah. though even though I'm 31 and they look like kids, they're actually <laughs> adults. How to get adults the education they need to have a thriving, prosperous, and empathetic society empathetic country in these fiery times yeah fiery to say the least of course keeping in theme with what's burning Matthew I love how you always tie it back I am really glad for these students that they won't be burdened with student loan debt and it would have been a massive undertaking for them to try to get their credits transferred and of course a devastating loss if that couldn't happen I mean I don't know man I just wish that this was more widespread because I know that myself and so many of my friends and actually my dear, you're one of them. We all have like three jobs because we have to, you know, that's how we have to pay down our student loan debt. That's how we have to pay our rent and do all these different things. So, okay, thanks boomers. Yeah, millennials could just work more. Gen X could work more. Sure, but working more also means that we then have absolutely no time to sleep, which is probably why Katie is so exhausted and why I have one eye open right now. More devastating news regarding uh, brush fires. Unfortunately, this is coming out of New South Wales, Australia, and officials have stated that this is an absolutely catastrophic fire warning. 
for the Sydney region and the greater Sydney region. This is the worst threat level that has been issued since 2009. And Matthew, have you heard about what's going on with our friends over in Australia? I'll stick to the party line of our scientific conspiracy and say that global warming is increasing droughts, which is increasing the likelihood of fires. Amen. Well, some interesting news out of Instagram this week, which as our listeners know, is probably our favorite platform to talk about what's going on and what's happening. Instagram did release a statement stating that they are going to be hiding likes for users this week. There have been some debates going on about how damaging social media can be. And Instagram was one of the first to say, hey, you know, maybe we will get stricter about bots. We will get stricter about counting views. Maybe we'll get stricter about displaying likes. And I guess they're going to go ahead and give it a shot and see if it will make a difference. Do you think that this is going to make an impact on the psychological experience and health of Instagram users, particularly those that are younger users? Or do you think that this will be sort of a moot effort? No, I think it's a really interesting experiment that Instagram is doing. Again, the big tech companies are experimenting on us. However, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, life isn't a competition and there's a lot of pressure from individuals to get more likes than someone else. In fact, over 80% of American teens under the age of 18 pick their dream career as an influencer. Oh my God. <laughs> Are know. you serious? Right. I know, right? I didn't believe it either. I hope it's wrong. Ew. Maybe it's maybe it is, but I I don't think it is. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, but then again, I mean, if you don't know how many likes someone has, is it going to change how you feel about that image? Uh, maybe a little bit, but mm-hmm. frankly, I think if you still see other people looking like you want to look like, being in places you want to be, and having experiences that you want to have, you'll still feel that longing, those shortcomings, uh, and the depression and negative self-imagery that comes along with constantly comparing yourself to others in a curated Instagram newsfeed. Right. And I'd like to say to all the young influencers or influencers or budding ones in general that listen to this show, because there's quite a few of them, I want to let you guys know that when you actually go out to get sponsorship deals, companies don't care how many likes your posts get. All they want to see is your engagement rate, which Instagram did change things a few months ago, and they made it so that comments actually have more value and shares have more value than double taps. Because the thing about it is from an algorithmic standpoint, coding in, you know, oh, I'm going to sign up for some sort of a service that goes around and likes everyone's pictures. That's kind of the easiest one to infiltrate. But comments are a different story. And shares certainly have to be done at this point anyway, to the best of my knowledge, they have to be done manually. So when companies are looking at your media kit, which every influencer and company that's in media should have, What they're looking at is that engagement rate. And a lot of times, as long as it's at least a 4% engagement rate, and uh, Katie does our analytics, she can tell you ours is much higher. So thank you to all of you listeners and all of you followers. But at least as long as it's at 4%, like you're pretty good to go. That's really all they care about. They don't care about likes and they don't care about the amount of followers you have. They really just want to see your actual influence and they measure that through engagement. So heading over to the finance world for a high 
hot chocolate second before Matthew wraps this up because we love you, Matthew, but we got to sandwich Katie in here. Katie, I understand that Walgreens was approached by KKR this week. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, KKR is a private equity firm and they approached Walgreens in order to buy them out. And they are very interested. It would be the largest private equity takeover in history. So on Monday, the Walgreens shares surged 6%, which is actually quite a lot for one day. And it'll be interested to see like how this plays out and something to look forward to yeah. um, in the coming months if this does come about. That is very interesting. And I believe I read an article. I actually think you posted it on at the newsstand's Instagram account about CVS closing down stores because they're underperforming. Does that have any correlation? Is Walgreens pulling ahead of CVS? Walgreens is also closing stores. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. So Walgreens also is valued right now about $55 billion. Just a cool $55 billion. No big deal. About how much money I make. <laughs> okay. It's a great and- time. It's a great time to do leverage buyouts right now because debt is so cheap. Yes. KKR is the specialist of leverage buyouts and getting a loan for $30 billion for them uh, is probably not that big of a deal, which is yeah. kind of shocking. Can you explain what a leverage buyout is, one of you? Yeah. Well, it's really risky for one and so if it goes wrong they could lose a lot of money but all right Matthew what's the definition of a leverage buyout for those who don't know a leverage buyout is when a private company amasses enough capital to buy every share out there on the public market so it takes a public company private again Mm. And usually we hear about the other way around. We hear about, you know, IPOs and private companies getting big enough so that they can go public. Wow. So this is like, this is in reverse. That's my reverse sound. Very interesting that all these stores are closing down, but allegedly they're making all this money and now they're getting bought out. It's kind of a mess. Matthew, what else do you have for me this week? With fires raging across the state of California and the country of Australia, people are increasingly asking, How can we have more solar? How can we have more batteries and more electricity? The interconnected nature of the climate societal system is such that President Evo Morales was forced out of Bolivia in a right-wing coup. Evo Morales was the first indigenous president in South America, for better or worse, has caused a lot of consternation for global trade as well as global diplomacy. However, his coup was initiated one day after he decided not to sign with a German company to mine a lot of lithium out of Bolivia. Mm. Interestingly enough, that German company provides lithium for Tesla, and Tesla's shares jumped over the weekend on the news. So as we think about things like solar and storage, we cannot forget the geopolitical consequences that occur such as coups in (laughs) South America of indigenous presidents by not folding to the winds of the powerful multinational corporations that do exist. So keep that in mind. If you turn on your natural gas stove in San Francisco, oh, wait, you can't because they ban Mm. natural gas in new home construction. That's what's not burning, natural gas in your kitchen. 
Not folding to the whims. Matthew, it's very poetic. I love the way you report on the news. Oh my God. All right. Well, you guys, not quite as bad as last week, but still kind of bad. Sorry to always kick it off with what's burning, but we've got to let you know what's happening in the world. Let's get into it. Let's talk hashtag, hashtag. Katie's going to join us. She has- Come on. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> join <laughs> Let me do the transition. <laughs> McDonald's has done a holiday McFlurry. Mm. This year, they're bringing it back. Come on. Get yes. a Noodles McFlurry. Ugh. Game changer, yo. When are we going? Take well, me on a date. I'm ready. Well, Katie, lest you forget the last time I took you on a date to Dunkin' Donuts to get some kind of a frivolous fall beverage. It didn't end so well for yes. you. So I'm, I'm, I'm a, a little, little lactose intolerant. I'm not mm. gonna lie. We were at Alta immediately after she consumed this beverage, and to say the least, it didn't end well. So I'm dead. I'm dead. We might we might wait, or Katie, maybe I'll get you like some lactate pills to take, and then. Yes we can go to Le McDonald's and try this out. You know, again- Remember to, I used to pop those like candy. I'd take like 10 at a time. Girl. Well, but here's the thing about the lactate pills is all they do is they get rid of the pain associated with a, an internal reaction to lactose. They don't actually kill or eliminate the lactose in the bod. So didn't know if you knew that, now you know. I mean, look, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this drink because clearly they're out there and now they're trying to compete with the Starbucks, they're trying to compete with Dunkin' Donuts and this, then that, the other. I'll be interested to see how it actually performs. You know, it's well, sort of a different demographic that goes to McDonald's than one that goes to Starbucks, but hey. Damn, I don't know about that. Our local McDonald's is getting a renovation. It's a and facelift. <laughs> and this renovation looks like a five-star restaurant. It, it looks very nice. It finally blends in with its surroundings. So definitely something. We will go and try it out. And you know what, Katie? We'll put it on the vlog. And Corbin, yes. if you have time to tune your ass up to McDonald's up the street and give it a go. Record a quick video. We'll stick that in the vlog too, and we'll give you a food review. So, all right, okay. Katie, take a seat. Mr. Corbin Williams, we have got to go back. And I think that you and I are probably the last people on earth to talk about this. Ask me if I give a shit. I don't. The Little Mermaid live on ABC was a catastrophe. Girl, let me tell you, I had a chance to watch a few more clips after we recorded the last episode, mm. and I was offensia. But before we get into all that, I will say kudos to the ensemble. That ensemble was on brand for me. Yeah. That ensemble oh, yeah. turned up. Because mm -hmm. a show is nothing without the ensemble because nothing is really about the principal players. It's about everything else that's around them happening. So I, kudos to my people that were in that ensemble. Absolutely. Listen, they killed the game. Mm -hmm. 
Now let's However, go by. Now let's go by one by one. Who would? You, what character would you like to start with first? Well, mm. let me just say that for me, my overall issue with all of it was that it felt very disjointed. Mm-hmm. I felt that all the principal actors that were featured in it were not equally talented or equally confident or equally prepared. That was my first little nitpick. Now let's start out with. Honest to God, one of my favorite people, Queen Latifah, such an icon. I love her. And I think that she sounded very, very good. She was doing that Ursula voice. She was giving me that full fantasy. But I found her physical movements to be a bit awkward. There was a lot of dead space, which, of course, comes down to the choreographer, not her. What did you think of her performance? Well, first of all, I feel like it has a lot to do with her outfit. I feel like maybe she was constricted, and she okay. was because if you if you look if you do look at uh, the shape of the costume, girl, can you move in a full latex getup? It's it's a mermaid <laughs> dress, and and you're right, it is latex to at least to our visual eye, it was latex, but it was a mermaid dress, and I don't feel like she had much room to grow. I would much rather have seen her in uh, a pantsuit, like a full a full jumpsuit with the yes. tentacles attached like like behind her. I would have killed for that because yes. we know she can move. This ain't her okay. first rodeo. She's been in the game for a long time. But you yes, know what also would have been great was if they had done a big ball gown for her. So at least she could have pushed around and yes. then had the tentacles kind of come off the ball gown right around the waist. I think that would have been a stunner. But we are not costume designers. Katie, are you a costume designer? No, I didn't think so. So <laughs> who, who are we to talk? However, Katie, your mom can sew. Margaret has got that down. So I'll give that to her. But anyways, vocally, Corbin, what did you think? I was impressed. I would give it a nine. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Now let's uh, move on to John Stamos. <laughs> listen, I was thoroughly entertained. He didn't mm-hmm. need to, listen, listen. Cause you know, he used to be a part of a huge band back in the eighties and nineties. Yes, his band was only big in Japan, never anywhere else. But he, he, he is into the, he is a musician by, tra- uh, by, by trade as his like little side gig. I was impressed. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The only thing that tripped me up, I said, John, it's Prince Eric, not Prince Albert. And he said it, oh. he said it. I was dying on the floor. I said, do you know what production <laughs> you're doing? But Don't you listen to Athenu like, no. Stan, John Stamos? <laughs> Don't you know your different, you know, public figure, historical figures? Yes. Come on, pull it together. But the physical comedy, I because that it was, yes. I didn't expect it to be that uh, that active. I was impressed from top I to bottom. Too. He did not disappoint me at all. But you know, I was a little bit Confucian because why wasn't Sebastian in that scene? Because that's how it is in the movie. Was Shaggy just like, listen, man, I am not, <laughs> I'm not going in that scene. That was a horrible horrible impression of a Jimmy Akin accent, but I tried my best. I, why wasn't he in it? Where was he? Did you that, notice that? That is too? a good, I did notice it because they had the, uh, some of the ensemble dress up as lobsters and crabs instead. Um, I don't know if it was maybe like a time constraint or maybe it was just the overall uh, appeal of what the direction, what, what the director, what the creative team was going for. But you're right, I did miss that because that, that's the whole point, but Sebastian between um, Chef Louie, like that's the whole point. Right. Yep. Well, let's talk about the guy who played Prince Eric. Graham Phillip. Listen. (laughs) Listen. I please nobody don't clap back. Save your toots. I don't care. He's a pretty face, Mm -hmm. but he cannot sing. Nope. And he did not perform it in the way that I think musical theaterly. That's not even a word. But how it should (laughs) be done in a musical theater setting. It should have been projected out instead of in. Like because you know when we talk about like dancing like dancing sexy versus dancing masculine sexy is dancing into yourself dancing masculine is dancing out and out towards the camera 
I did not get that one bit. He was relying too much on the on the mic instead of his voice projecting. And again, I don't know if he comes from a musical theater background, but I wanted more. Now, yeah. what I will say who did steal that show from him was that dog, Max. It, <laughs> although it was a girl dog, but she stole the show from me. I was like, damn, okay, that's your number, man. You got updated by your dog. Literally, yeah. I found his breath control to be very lacking and disappointing. I also felt, again, and this comes down to the choreographer, I felt like it was just lacking. There was dead space. You know, that is the number that opens the show. And here comes the ensemble. They are in peak physical shape. Oh, they're smiling. Everything. They're engaging with the camera as well as the audience. They're interacting with props. They are giving me that full fantasy, the house. Oh, my God. I'm starting to talk like Fifi. Dubois. This is what's happened. <laughs> Katie and I both, it's been a problem ever since Fifi's podcast began. But, you know, and then he comes out and like, damn, is he pretty? But I was very, very underwhelmed with his performance. I truly was. Yeah. So... I don't know, man. And Katie, you know what we're talking about. This was the Little Mermaid live thing that we were ABC talking about. Live, and yeah. It was Little Mermaid live on ABC. And Katie, you yeah, were the all- the thing confused. I didn't understand. Yeah. Well, if you had watched it, you probably still wouldn't understand. The other complaint that I have is uh, the audience. It was just so cheesy having them involved. And I don't understand why they were there. Like, is this a live show for a live audience? Is this a broadcast thing? It was just very silly. And I always, like, when I see stuff like that, it's so disingenuine. And I know this for a fact because I was on American Idol and the way that they manipulated us all through that day and when I went into the um, the exec producer round, like, it was just stupid. And how many times did they have to yell cut go cut uh samantha can you please stop smiling i'm like why i'm happy to be here this could change my life they're like no we need you to look pensive like it was just it's all manipulation man it just seems mm -hmm, <clears throat> it was scripted and it was very heavily produced and whatever but you know like we said props to the ensemble yes props to the pop the props department i thought that was fabulous i really mm -hmm. appreciated that from a costume design sense they stuck pretty close to what you would expect to see from the movie coming to real life so i gotta give it up for them corben what else is happening in the world of hollywood or broadway or um, between anything good well yeah actually yes uh so i went i had the chance to go see the wrong man which is a play off broadway and fun fact, I actually went in for this. Uh, Travis Wall has choreographed it. Mm -hmm. And I haven't done contemporary, contemporary in a quick minute. And I didn't know what it was going to be. So when I went in there, I was like, um, I'm, I don't know. This isn't really my vibe. But when I saw it, and by the way, I saw it for free. Um, <laughs> listen, we love, a, we love a free comp ticket. Um, listen. I was so impressed. And when I tell you, these people, it was a small ensemble. And these people are so gifted. And there's no dialogue. It is singing from top to bottom, okay? And the cool. only thing that lost me for a second was the trend, uh, some of the transitions between uh, the storyline of where they're going, you know, the beginning, middle, and end. Right. But the ensemble did a really good job dancing. Oh, my gosh. It took my breath away. And, you know, I've said this to you before, and I think I've said this before on the show. I have a hard time understanding contemporary. But yeah. when I saw that show... They carved space and they made me understand what it what it is to be a contemporary dancer. And, oh my God, I was just okay. blown away. Um, All right, the, the music is on brand. It is you know it is a uh, 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 pop rock and R and B, and they got some soul up in there. They got some Latin flavor, and Ooh. I was just like, wow, these people are so. I, I, I highly recommend people if you have a chance to go see it while it's off Broadway, please, please, please go see it. It will change your life.
All right, everyone. We are back this week with It's Pro Time. Thank goodness, because I was starting to feel a little out of the loop last week. Because, Abby, I am not going to lie. How are you doing? <laughs> I am fantastic. How are you? I'm good. You know, I got to tell you, I need to give it to you, babe, because I'm at the bar with my new mans. Shout out to Nick. He now listens to this show because he's like, whoop, whoop. How else am I going to know what's going on in the world? I literally don't want to read the news because it makes me depressed. So true story, I'm at the true story. And it's, it's a packed bar. You've got the screens all up all over the place. And I am spitting sports facts like none other. And then I started talking about NASCAR. And Nick's looking at me like, who are you? So once again, Abby, you come through. You come in clutch. You make me look really, really cool. So thank you for that. But, My pleasure. Well, there are some things that are going on in the sports world that are not so cool. And I'm really interested to kick off this segment and talk about what's going on at Ohio State University. Because I know that there was a star player that is now facing a possible suspension. And I've been doing a little bit of research on it. And I'm a little confused. So why don't you tell us what's been going on? Sure. So we are talking about Chase Young, who is a defensive end for the Ohio State Buckeyes, who are currently 9-0. and They are undefeated this season. So here is what happened. Last year, he accepted a loan from a family friend to fly his girlfriend to the Rose Bowl game. Now, college sports is very strict in terms of taking money from people and what that relationship has to look like. So, and then there is a penalty that is percentage based. So percentage of games that you will get suspended for accepting money between certain periods. It's like 200 to 400 is 10%, you know, 400 to 600 is 20%, so on and so on and so on. And if he, if this gift is more than $800, which I probably suspect it is, Ohio to California, that airfare round trip is probably more than $800. He is facing a four-plus game suspension, which is big, especially Mm -hmm. at this point in the season for the Buckeyes. And he's a Heisman Trophy nominee, Yeah, if that's the right term for it. He's in the running for a Heisman Trophy, and he's one of the few defensive players to be on that list pretty much ever. It's not highly likely that a defensive player will be named the Heisman Trophy winner. Mm -hmm. So, but what's really interesting is, so the biggest thing that they're talking about is looking at the relationship between this person, this donor and our football player. And so if they can prove a longstanding relationship that um, existed before he became a D1 player Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff, he should be relatively safe. I believe their biggest concern is essentially him being paid in a certain way, you know, Mm -hmm. not directly paid to him, but, you know, for his girlfriend that they're thinking it's a bribe to throw the game or to do this or to do that. That is That is what I feel the concern is. Now, however, the other piece to this is Chase has already paid it back. Okay. So that's another factor in this situation is the fact that he paid this loan back already. Mm. So I never thought I'd quote Taylor Swift, but it sounds to me like they might need to calm down. And look, we've heard of this (laughs) before because I know that 
in the corporate world, like I've been told at certain jobs that I am not allowed to accept any gifts from any of my clients that are valued over like $50 or something like that. I also remember when I was a teacher that there was sort of a, a nice notice that went out to parents and said, hey, you know, going into the holiday season, what we're most grateful for is being able to spend time with your children and enrich their education. You know, please refrain from gifts to teachers. And if you do feel inspired to get your teacher something, the value must be less than $15. So I've, I've heard of this before. It is sort of common mm -hmm. practice and it's, it's an ethical thing, but I just don't, I don't really see the correlation. I don't really see the conflict of interest and maybe that's my naivety. I don't know, but do you see this as being an issue or a conflict of interest or do you think that they're overreacting? With, with the facts before us at the moment, and granted, we don't know the amount of money that he was gifted either. So, and as, if it was used for what it has been said it was used for, I don't see it. Um, if he truly took a loan from a friend, I mean, because you also have to think about it. Okay, he's a D1 football player at Ohio State. So in addition to it being a very elite level of football, he also has to keep his grades up to stay on the team, which means he's not working, right? And so he probably did not have access to said money, and he had a family friend who did have it and was willing to share it with him for a short period of time, like you said. So this was January, right? It's been paid back. So I, right. and if they could prove that he did something in the Rose Bowl game, you know, that made it look like he – through the game or whatever. And I honestly can't remember that far back about what happened during the Rose bowl game, but you know, so I think it's all going to be in the clear. Um, and he, his tweet about everything, he apologized and, you know, took responsibility for the whole situation. And, um, and he claims he's known this person since the summer before my freshman year. So yeah. Hmm. All right. You know, well, let's let's just leave it up to the NCAA and Ohio State, because I think that you and I are both in agreement that this is this is a little, I think, a bit far fetched. Now, there's some more drama that's going on in California. There's a new law and it affects the NCAA. Now, I read the article on Sports Illustrated, but I'm a little confused as to what Again, what the hell is the problem? So why don't you, once again, <laughs> save the day and explain what is happening? Okay. So what we're talking about is the Fair Pay to Play Act, which has been signed into law in California. And they're looking to have a similar law signed into other states and a federal, federal law as well. So essentially, all this is is allowing college athletes to make money off of people using their likeness, their name, uh, mm. wanting them to be at, at an event. It's essentially allowing them to be endorsed for mm. things that are already happening. So you think D1 sports, right? You think college basketball, college football. We're just talking about Chase Young. You know, any jersey with these names on the back that are sold, they will now have a right to it, to take part of that earnings just like any like Kobe Bryant would or Derek Jeter or Jason Baratek whatever any pro athlete would it also allows them to hire agents and managers to help them with these things like endorsements like being able to there was one comment in here about being able to endorse a sports camp mm -hmm. how many of these players had a life-changing 
experience at a sports camp. They can now endorse those things for money, just like any other celebrity would. And in some cases, these individuals are more famous than a lot of our quote unquote famous people. Right. right? Yeah, but and sure. so and right now, this is just for players in California. So you have to go to school in California for this to affect you. And there's all okay. sorts of other legal mishmash um, mm. that we won't really get into. But the other piece that's interesting about this, and they bring it up a couple of times, the whole idea of pay to play has been around for a long time in the world of college sports. Yeah. And I find it interesting because no offense to all these fabulous college athletes, you are paid to play. So I don't know where all that is coming from. D1 athletes do not pay to go to college. Yeah. They don't. So you are being paid to play. (laughs) You are getting a full ride somewhere, whether it's Michigan, Ole Miss, Ohio State, UConn, whatever, Texas A&M, Alabama, like full ride. And for anybody who has college student loans like moi, like moi, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) That is huge. That is life changing when you leave college, even if you don't play professional sports, life changing. So I think this, this, so I don't know if that makes more sense to you, but so this new law is very interesting. And I, you know what? And I'm behind this California law. I truly am because they're making millions of dollars. You know, I think back to people that we grew up watching like Diana Taurasi and Rebecca Lobo and how much money was made selling their jerseys, selling a bobblehead, selling a photo of them, whatever it may be that they had no right to. Yeah. Right. Well, shout out to all of us who were tricked into filling out a FAFSA form because student <laughs> loans, let me tell you, do they sting? Do they bite? Do they suck? All right. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here, not against you, but I would like to say that, yes, they're getting a full ride and they, I think that they earned it. You know, clearly their bodies and their minds and their grades were in top, top condition in order to become D1 athletes. And they are entertainers of the world. Here's where things get fuzzy for me. And that's social media. I now see a lot of college teams for any sport. Not only do they have their own Instagrams as like the team in general, but they also have TikTok now. And they are 100% like, for lack of a better term, pimping out these athletes, both professional athletes and college athletes, I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I know that I would be hot ripping pissed if I had some, you know, little marketing manager following me around with her iPhone XS and saying, hey, Samantha, can you do a quick spot for me? Yeah, absolutely. But you want to know what's going to happen after that? You're going to tag me in it and I'm going to get paid for it. Now, here what I here's what I think the solution could be. I would like to see an itemized list, a breakdown of exactly what they're getting paid and what denomination is going towards what. Because I feel that being, you know, whether it's endorsing all these different things or having a bobblehead or selling a jersey or doing social media activities, I feel like that could be broken down within that pay, if that makes any sense, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that we could see exactly you know, what money is flowing to where so that I, you know, and again, I'm very business minded as are you so that that way I could look at it and say, all right, so I'm getting paid $10 million and I'm getting a full ride scholarship. Awesome. Now of that 10 million, 
I am getting paid an additional 125000 for going to five different events, a maximum of five different events every year uh, for endorsing at least one product or one something or other and being featured on, I don't know, a total of 50 Instagram posts that will be shared across YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and the like. All right, good, great. That's done. So I don't know if there's a way around this. I'm behind the law as well, but I'm just trying to, I guess I'm just trying to dig deeper into it. (laughs) Pardon me. (laughs) And what I think will be interesting, and I don't know if you meant to touch on it, but you kind of did in saying that. So this has really been focused on external, it seems like, you know, like external ways that their likeness is used, as we talked about. I want to know how this is going to affect the schools that they go to. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're just talking about uh, the players being featured on the school's Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and whatever. I don't think the school will be able to pay them, which right. means how are they going to work that? Because essentially by using these current and former players, right, that is a marketing recruiting tool. Mm-hmm. So I will be very intrigued to see how this plays out because that is huge. You have Good a huge point. player who ends up getting signed in the first round of the NFL or goes to the NBA or whatever, and you you're going to have 50 use of the them. best high school players, right, that are flocking it, to your exactly. school. Exactly. Or you have yeah. a current player who is in line to win the Heisman Trophy, but now you can't interview him and put him on your social media because you can't afford to pay him right or because it's against the law for the school to pay their own student in this Uh way so i i think it's great for external sources Mm -hmm. like a nike or an adidas or whatever you know where if under armor wants to come farting along and say hey we'd love to collaborate with you yeah Mm -hmm. or or because they're selling their jerseys or whatever but i think it's going to get real sticky yeah. With how their likenesses are used at the schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the people in our lives wonder why we sit around screaming at our computers because we're running this company and it gets fuzzy. <laughs> it gets yep. complicated because everything is very intricate and it's a massive logistical and financial operations undertaking. And everything nowadays is monetized. But again, like you said, how are they going to monetize that through the school? And then what are you going to say to these kids that are then missing out on opportunities and frankly, business endeavors that could be helpful to them while they're still in school and after they graduate? You know, what is that boundary? This is what I'm always talking about. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. I love them, but where are they? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, anyways, you guys, this has been awesome. Abby, thank you so much for coming back this week. I appreciate it. And thank you all so much for tuning in to At The Newsstand. As always, we are having a fantastic time doing this show and we're so glad to have all of you with us we will see you next wednesday on every single platform imaginable so from whatever you say productions my name is samantha and i'm abby and we'll see you next wednesday thanks everyone listening to At The Newsstand, presented by Whatever You Say Productions, in affiliation with Slam It With Sam and Oh My God Newspaper. To learn about these and more, join us at whateveryousayproductions.com.